welcome to episode 162 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights on the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Hello, John. Hello, Dirk. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat a little bit about the future of the home. IKEA recently released their third annual Life at Home report, uh, which has some interesting insights into how technology is uh, both purposely and inadvertently changing our home lives. Uh, we'll have a link to that report on the Digital Life site. It's a long report, and it's really quite fascinating because I- IKEA uh, visited uh, quite a number of international cities and interviewed thousands of people to uh, come to the insights that, that are presented in this report. And, you know, they do it from uh, both an ethnographic and, and a design perspective. So I thought the way they uh, put this study together was, was really quite compelling. So we're going to use this as a jumping off point. I, I bet you uh, we could, you know, run with this for, for many podcast episodes. But there were uh, a few revelations or uh, insights from the report that, that I wanted to talk about in particular today. Uh, you know, one of those uh, was the uh, the idea of of the home as as you know being this place of of sanctuary that was in fact being invaded a little bit by by technology. And and there were there were two areas that that they highlighted in the report. Uh, one was uh, light. Right, we think of light as sort of the um, the seed of modern life, right? It enables us to continue working or playing well after the sun goes down in uh, fairly significant ways that, you know, uh, fire or candles alone just, you know, wouldn't uh, enable us to do. But at the same time, as, you know, the as cities grow bigger, uh, as you, you have uh, lights for safety, lights for advertising, what, what have you, it, it also creates light pollution, which is a, a huge problem. I mean, there are, there are, there are parts of uh, the country, you know, that really are never dark and you really can't even see the uh, stars very clearly at night uh, when you're around some major cities. And that's, that's a factor both for, for people living uh, in cities and, and outside of them. I mean, I live, you know, in the suburbs uh, around Boston and, and frankly, you know, it's, it's not dark, you know, very often in the suburbs between the, uh, uh, between the lights on the houses and the um, lights on the telephone poles. And, you know, it, it never occurred to me uh, really the, the reason why I've designed aspects of, of uh, my home the way we did. But we, uh, you know, we, we use the, the, the light... Uh, darkening shades, you know, so no light can come in. And we we very specifically uh, try to hide from that um, uh, environment while we're trying to trying to uh, sleep or or take a nap. And when we go somewhere else where those darkening shades aren't present, it really throws me off. So if there's if there's light sort of bleeding into my sleeping space, like if I'm on the road or, you know, at a hotel, you know, in unfamiliar territory, uh, I really have to go to the extra effort to, you know, take those whole hotel blinds and and push them as hard as I can so that no slivers of light come in and I can attempt to get a, a good night's sleep. Um, but it's this sort of always on nature of technology, not to mention, 
if if you're trying to sleep, you've also got light on your uh, on on your digital clock. You've you've got light perhaps coming from your computer, uh, from any of the other electronic uh, objects. The the technology that that is meant to entertain and inform becomes really uh, quite intrusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you know when you're trying to get sleep. What's your? I, I, I don't know if your take on on light pollution is is quite the um, same as mine, Dirk. But you know, what what are your impressions of that, uh, both as you know a, uh, a technologist and designer? I don't know. I mean, I'll, I guess I'll talk about it. My impressions as a human, All right? Um, please. You know, I think I don't know. I think it's very um, idiosyncratic to the individual, right? I mean. Uh, some of us, you know, need it to be totally dark to sleep well. Some are more flexible. Um, you know, how much of that is nature um, versus nurture with nurture simply being you've never known anything other than being bathed in light to ways large or small when you sleep. So you just deal with it. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I see light pollution as part of sort of a bigger narrative, but I think you've got some more things to talk about and maybe I'll I'll get into that later. But in terms of people, you know, it's, I don't know, when we're talking about sleep, it's sort of, you know, individual based. I mean, it's, I think, you know, I would bet for most people, they don't realize what they're losing by virtue of the light. And the example I'll use is, um, you know, I, I grew up in a suburb in the Midwest. I mean, you know, homes were fairly close together, but, you know, we had half acre yards or whatever at the same time. And, um, you know, it, it felt pretty dark all the time, right? Now, uh, fast forward to 2005, um, took a family trip um, way up into the hinterlands of northern Ontario. Um, and, you know, my father said, I want to show you guys something, took us out in the middle of the night on the boat, and we went in the middle of the lake and just said, look up. And there were orders of magnitude, more stars in the sky than I had ever seen in my entire life. And that's that's obscured by by the light pollution, um, and we don't even realize it. We have no cognizance of it um, because it's it's just kind of the way the world is. Yeah, I think I think there's you know I, I think the perhaps the reason that IKEA included this in in the the report about home uh, home life is that this this becomes really a, a design factor. I, I mean, at least it's a factor that's, that's increasingly important to me. Um, and, and to your point, you know, there, there are places uh, where, you know, the light pollution is not um, uh, quite so bad if you're, if you're in, the, uh, in the woods in, in Ontario on, on, on a lake <laughs> looking up. But, you know, unfortunately, the, the world is becoming more... You know, is it pollute. unfortunate? Is it unfortunate? Keep that, going. That that the world is polluted with light. I I don't know. I mean, it's it it is when I'm when I'm trying to uh, when I'm trying to rest. Certainly, uh, it's it, it's part of this always on feeling that um, I think you know culturally and as 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 a design constraint. Uh, you know, I, I think is going to become more important. Like I, I don't like the always on feeling and it takes me longer and longer to, uh, to pull away from that. And so, so I find light pollution to be one, 
one piece of that. I believe you when you say that, but I don't know if you're looking at it hard enough, right? Light pollution is the product of the fact that we can watch Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Light pollution is a product of the fact that we have refrigerators with these wonderful, nice, cool, everything that we need. Light pollution is uh, uh, you know, part of the fact that we have these handheld computers that can give us any nugget of knowledge mm -hmm. that, that we, could, we could imagine. So... Um, Absent all of that, I totally believe that, boy, you want to unplug and get away from the light pollution. And mm -hmm. But if you really consider all of the things you gain from it, do you still feel that way? Like if it's an either or, do you truly – would you truly say, F it, I'm going to give it up, I'm going to put it all away, and I'm going to, to meditate? Um, <laughs> really? Is that, is that so, where you'd go? So, so you know, you're, you're taking it as, as a uh, sort of a on-off – yeah. Like uh, scenario there, but but I would say it's an interesting uh, design constraint from you know an ecosystem standpoint, mm -hmm. right? So so yes, I would very much prefer a a more tailored environment that knows that at a certain time at night, all of these LEDs you know just hibernate, right? And they don't give me an indicator that they're on anymore, um, and and things uh, you know. Uh, tone down a bit, right? Like that, that would be a nice start. Like, uh, you know, I'm making this up, but some product where, you know, when I say I'm going into sleep mode, all the devices within 10 feet of me are, are you know, can't uh, give out ambient light because they know that I'm in sleep mode now, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think there are ways to consider uh, more of a, uh, you know, as, as a consumer of digital things, you know, when when I can uh, pull away from the system and, and at least uh, get s some of that need taken care of without necessarily unplugging from everything. So setting the boundaries of my own uh, interaction with, uh, with the digital and, 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 and the world of, of you know, all, the, all this light bleeding in and then, and then being able to turn that back on when when I'm good and ready. So, so I don't think these are considerations that we take uh, uh, as very important when we're looking at a single piece of hardware or, you know, just a, a, a single device. But I think in aggregate, it becomes very important. So um, it, it's about context. It's about culture too, right? Because th this is like this creeping always on culture. Like we didn't go out and say, we want all of these things to, to be part of our lives all the damn time. It crept in one piece at a time until it becomes, you know, it could feel a bit overwhelming, right? So, so I'm interested in, in designing the, the pushback a little bit, not, not the divorce, but the um, deliberate separation both culturally and, and from a design standpoint, if that makes sense. It does. I'm trying to think where it started. Probably the light bulb, I suppose, would I suppose, be yeah. the, the genesis of it. Um, no, listen, I mean, the vision is good. I mean, I, I'm applauding. I can get on board with that. The tech is just so far away, right? I mean, you know, I, I use an ambient device called Sense for, for monitoring sleep, and it's just mm -hmm. it's total garbage. I mean, um, you know, I wake up at 5.30 to go to the bathroom, and it doesn't recognize that I've come back to bed and go to sleep. Um, we're watching a movie at 8, and then I go off and work and come back to bed at 2. It's got me sleeping since 8. You know, it's, it's, it's representative of the stage that this kind of technology is in at the moment, right? So amen, brother. Like, I, and I certainly will get there at some point. We're just 
we're, we're still not there. We're still, we're still in the world of artificial ignorance, not artificial intelligence. Right. So there, there's one other item on, on the IKEA report that I think we could uh, dig into a little bit. Of course, you know, it, it's much more um, deep than, uh, than we're just touching on the show today. And, uh, you know, I'd recommend uh, if you're interested in this sort of ethnographic report, you should, you should really check it out yourself. Uh, but the other thing that, that, they, uh, that they drew out, which, which I thought was, was interesting to hear from people, and especially from a product company like Ikea, was that, you know, talking about things and, you know, what things mean to us today, because what things mean to us today, meaning the objects that, you know, make up our, our everyday tools and, and the things that are meaningful, very, very different than what things meant to, you know, like, uh, you know, my father's generation, right? Mm-hmm. There, there, there weren't a lot of things, you know, for, um, you know, my father grew up in, the, you know, sort of the, the, the World War II era where uh, you patched and replaced and you, you, you made sure that, that your, your things were taken care of and because you didn't, didn't have necessarily the money uh, to go and replace them. <laughs> so, so obviously with our consumer digital culture, we're upgrading our, even our phones on a, you know, a fairly regular basis. Um, uh, let alone all of the other stuff that sort of creeps into our into our house, uh, whether you know whether whether it be devices or you know for entertainment or you know toys for the kids or you name it, um, and and I think the you know I've heard it call uh, I've heard people call it you know we're at we're at peak stuff right there's going to be a moment when we're when we're like when we're all like hey i don't know if this consumer paradigm's going to work anymore cuz where am i going to put this crap um so so while ikea didn't draw that out in in its in entirety there there is um a burgeoning sensibility that having maybe fewer but more meaningful uh, useful things is much better than having this incessant clutter, you know, and, and we sort of uh, live with clutter right now as the byproduct of the consumer, uh, the the always buying consumer paradigm. But maybe, you know, it's 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 going to be about less stuff uh, that's that's more meaningful, uh, less stuff that, you know, maybe our stuff has more more soul to it and is less disposable. Um, so I thought that was, you know, an, an interesting trend, you know, maybe a trend is, is too strong a word for it, but, um, observation from, from the Ikea report. And it, it does resonate with me because, um, I certainly dislike clutter. Um, and I find that I'm always fighting with it and, and being a, a person with a lot of digital devices, uh, I, feel like it's a never ending fight similar to the, you know, the light discussion that, that, that we just had. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, the, we'll call it the pollution of too many things. Dirk, I, I, I think you're probably, we're probably, uh, have some similar perspective on that. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is one of those things that falls into the category of it's so old, it's new, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, from the time I was a little boy in the seventies, my parents had that, um, 
had that uh, discipline, you know, mm-hmm. where they told me that it's about a small number of nice things. That was clearly counter to the culture of the time, um, you know, early plastics, production of lots of um, disposable stuff. Um, but it's something that I, you know, I kept, I kept with me. And, you know, I mean, I, I think it was sometime in the 90s that I stopped giving physical gifts. I, I, I just 100% stopped giving physical gifts. And I either didn't give gifts and just expressed love and appreciation, or I would give experiences. So mm-hmm. um, to go to a concert, go to a restaurant. Um, so create a moment that by definition is intended not to be clutter um, unless you consider your memories <laughs> clutter. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's like, well, what took people so long, right? I mean, why is it now like, oh, my God, in this 2016, this great revelation, you know, that was that was taught to me by my parents from the time I was young. And I've been living that way, you know, consistently as an adult. I mean, you know, we were we were in transitional housing over the last year. And so the possessions that we do have were in storage. And um, what I... What I realized in, in that in that transitional housing was if I never saw any of my possessions again, I really wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some old family photos that I, I probably want to scan first. You know, um, there's some art that in, in a perfect world I'd like to keep around. Um, but if somebody said that that storage locker blew up, um, eh, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean – um, ultimately, what was important was the interactions with with my family. Um, I mean, frankly, just the core computing devices that are sort of my gateway into the world, um, and and a very small number of a few things that were close enough to me that they didn't go in the storage locker in, in the first place. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I understand uh, the sentiment, and and I think once again these these. Uh, uh, observations from from IKEA um, are, are valuable insofar as you know they they frame up a society that you know may be in love with technology, but there's there's like cultural aspects that are that are still very much being worked out, um, and you know I'm anxious to see how. Uh, you know uh, how how this evolves, and 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 frankly, how how product companies respond to this, right? So so you you mentioned giving experiences. You know that that was one of the one of the trends that they highlighted. You know people were more interested in experiences uh, than necessarily accumulating more stuff. Uh, you know so 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 that in and of itself is you know quite different from. Uh, uh, the idea that that you're going to go get the next greatest gadget or automobile or whatever it is to you know sort of sort of fill up all that space. Uh, so so these are trends that, that that bear watching, I think, especially as we see emerging technologies uh, you know on the rise. You know what what does that mean for for how these get implemented? Uh, and 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 what is important for human interaction and and what can be uh, sort of uh, dropped by the wayside. Yeah, you know, John, going reading the report, I mean, the 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 big thing that I took away from it was a real sadness of the the migration into the mega city, mm. and you know, IKEA explicitly focused on people in big cities. Yeah. Um, you know, I've lived in big cities. I've lived in the country. I've lived in suburbs. I've I've lived in many different um, orientations, 
And you really lose something in high-density environments. You, you just do. Um, there's a higher level of stress. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. And now, having just moved from a high-density environment into a, you know, really nice uh, wilderness-type environment in, in, in a suburb, but on an acre of wooded land in a low-density area... The quality of life, it's night and day. It's night and day, John. I mean, the, the stress level on a daily basis is lower. Um, the appreciation of nature and feeling part of a bigger ecosystem of the world. Um, you know, being able to make choices about noise and light and not have other people impose upon those mm-hmm. because you happen to be close to each other. Um, having a little extra space so you're not um, having to install a bed that doubles as a dresser, that doubles as a washing machine, mm-hmm. just to fit into the space. Um, so, you know, I, again, I've, I've lived in cities, and there are things, that, conveniences that are nice about, about that sort of life. But I think the, 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 the migration into big cities that's happening as the world changes is one that's really bad for the human animal. And the time horizon's longer. It's decades, not years, but probably not centuries either where I think that's going to flow the other way um, because there's lots of land that nobody's living in. And, um, you know, the what, 90N percent of Canada, um, 90N percent of Russia, um, huge portions of China, even as those people race into the cities, um, you know, in, in, in the context of how that particular culture uh, and economy are, are evolving. So we aren't at a loss for space. And, Um, You know, the other thing about that, too, is people project out and say, well, eventually, you know, centuries down the road, we will be out of space. We're just all going to be in these giant cities of cement and steel. It's total bullshit because if you look at countries around the world, the higher educated the country is, the lower the birth rate is. The birth rate problems that we're having are coming from low educated countries, low educated, low socioeconomic class countries. And what's happening, unfortunately, slowly for a lot of those people who I just referred to, but what is happening is that our planet is becoming more and more educated. And as we become an educated species, in, in the, largely in the, in the aggregate, not just in the sort of what we today would consider sort of first world or, or emerging, people are going to be having less babies. And we're going to get to the point where there's not going to be problems with population in the same way that there um, seems to be if we just project out just based as if today was um, you know, permanently fossilized. Um, so I, I just felt very sad about all the people who are having to come into these cities and, and adjust and try and make the best of it when you know it's, it's not the right way to live and there's so many more so many more places out there that we could be living instead. And it will just take some time for, um, you know, for our, our species sort of as a whole global ecosystem to catch up with that and go from, you know, the, the contraction back to, to an expansion, I think. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting take, Dirk. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. 
And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 162 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.